And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Part two of three, because that's how we always pitch this, right? <laughs> of the pictures setting the stage, the possible prestige picks of 2022 leading up to Oscars 2023. This is our year in preview series that we started last episode. We thought laying out all the uh, the movies to come and the possible Oscar contenders was going to be a two-parter. We had an idea that maybe it could be more than two parts, and today uh, we've kind of confirmed that it's definitely going to be at least three now. I'm your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. Yeah, the research has gone deep, and then it went deeper, and then one Mike... <laughs> Went went in the dock and then added five pages and then the other mic added five pages. It's just, it's a lot of it's a it's a labor of love. We're we're enjoying this turning of the page. We always do in this series, Mike. But uh, yeah, we we're going studio by studio. We're kind of looking at what's dated, what's undated, and we we added this game that rhymes. So uh-huh. it's just it, it's it's a big fat wonderful glorious mess. It's everything everywhere all at once. The the podcast. I see what you did there. Yes, I'm Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> uh, so the game that rhymes for each of these studios. We're going to be talking about the movies that seem Oscar grabby. That the ones that the studios are taking an Oscar stab with, and the ones that could be surprises that we think might be able to Oscars nab a nomination or two, or maybe even we'll win a explain category. it more as we go. Because no, that's it. That's the only that's, explanation. That, that's the one. That's your key atop the uh, the test. Oh no! <laughs> because what you think it means and what I think it means are still different. And I don't what... understand how you're confused by this. Still, just 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 do it. Stab is a good thing. Yes, stab, stab it's is a like... horror movie thing. You're, t- you're gonna stab at something. You're gonna do it. It's the shish kebab of Oscar yeah. noms. Like that's yeah. what I picture. I just picture grilled ghost face. Whatever dinner meats. <laughs> Dinner meets, yeah. <laughs> you picture like happily stabbing somebody. It's it's dinner meets at Sebastian Stan's table is what I think of it as. <laughs> oh, uh, we did we teased last episode going through uh, the biggest studio going, and that's what we're going to start off with today. All things Disney. So when we do the uh, the grab stab nab game, that'll be at the end of all things Disney, which includes Hulu, Pixar, Searchlight, Twentieth Century, Marvel. Obviously, you know all these names and. We keep talking about them, but uh, that's where we'll begin today, Mike. So let's start with the 20th Century offerings, formerly the 20th Century Fox offerings. And we have the, I guess as of now, mm-hmm. untitled David O. Russell project that we aforementioned, or we formally, I should say, called it Canterbury Glass. Yeah, everybody's calling it Canterbury Glass, but per Eric Weber and other people, they're still saying IMDb, it's... IMDb, yeah. Yeah, untitled. it's untitled for the moment. So maybe it'll be called candy pizza of some sort like we i mean didn't we have like a working title for uh licorice pizza forever and then it, it was, was just... the name of the uh the waterbed company he sells it as in the uh, in the movie i forget the uh soggy bottom yeah it was soggy, soggy bottom, bottom yeah, forever yeah. and then it became licorice pizza so neither for, of those i mean neither one of those are good titles <laughs> is gonna win you a best picture or a screenplay for that matter but canterbury glass sounds a little more prestigious seven mm-hmm. to one odds right now in vegas this is Coming out on November 4th, directed mm-hmm. by David O. Russell of Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle, a lot of our favorite films there, Mike. Uh, Margot Robbie, John David Washington, Christian Bale, Chris Rock, Anya Taylor-Joy, Zoe Saldana, Robert De Niro, Andrea Riesborough, Rami Malek, Michael Shannon, Mike Myers, Alessandro Nivola, Matthias Schoenarts, Timothy Oliphant, and why not, Taylor Swift. Yeah, it's it's nice to see a you know a conglomerate picture like that that actually has not just white people, almost all the white people, and then 
some of our favorite <laughs> black actors and actresses. Right. I mean, there's there's at least some diversity in this cast as opposed to some other giant ones that are being we've talked about already and we'll talk about now. But we could still do better, I think, Hollywood. Look, we don't know a ton about the plot. I've seen budgets, estimated budgets, way up in the 115s, but I think... The, the, the last of my research kind of pegged it at $55 million, but the plot is unknown right now. A doctor and a lawyer form an unlikely partnership. That can I mean that. anything. I love that. I think I picked this movie in last year's 100% accurate, way right. too early Oscar predictions in the same way other prognosticators are picking Spielberg's movie this year. Mm-hmm. So in the vein of picking Will Smith for lead actor in back-to-back years that we did in those <laughs> shows. I look forward to doing the same with this movie and capping it off, hopefully this time, with David O. Russell getting slapped in the mouth by Lily Tomlin on the Oscar stage. We're starting hot with slap jokes, people! We're getting right to them this episode! I'm thrilled that you're doing that while we play hooky and have zero clue about the Will Smith punishment. <laughs> Great, you could have just stepped on a, on a, on a landmine there. But uh, yeah, we're not talking about Will Smith in this episode. And I have to uh, apologize for all your jokes in advance. So that's what we're doing. Uh, he deserves punishment. He deserves punishment. Does, but does he deserve his Oscar taken away? Hell no. no. And I hope to God. <laughs> I hope to God <laughs> Hudson and Ruben don't act that foolishly. They are idiots if they do, my God. Yeah, Canterbury Glass, though. You picked it last year, kind of like how we started last episode with Warner Brothers and Don't Worry Darling that I picked last year. That's why it's first today, folks. So we'll move on. We'll talk about Avatar 2 from 20th Century, one of the, you know, I mean, the unobtainium at the core of the Fox-Disney deal, no doubt, because they you know, went with the green lighting of all five of these movies from James Cameron. Only an 80-to-1 Oscar odds right now, maybe worth a sprinkle. A $250 million budget, just Avatar 2. This is due December 16th, Mike, and here's Zoe Saldana again, starring alongside Sam Worthington, Stephen Lang, Sigourney Weaver, Cliff Curtis, Giovanni Rabisi, all returning from the last movie, and I think they're adding... Forgive me if they were in the last movie, but I don't remember. Michelle Yeoh, Kate Winslet, Edie Falco, Jermaine Clement, and Una Chaplin. Jake Sully lives with his newfound family formed on the planet of Pandora. Once a familiar threat returns to finish what was previously started, Jake must work with Natrini and the army of the Navi (laughs) race to protect their planet. I don't care. I don't care. Natiri and the Navi. I don't care. (laughs) Look it. They didn't need 13 years to come up with that premise. (laughs) It's the blue people. The blue people are still in the fucking tree and the same bad guys are coming back to finish the Mrs. It's still Fern Gully mixed with a bug's life. (laughs) it's fern gully meets a bug's life is exactly how he pitched it for five sequels i look at he made two and three already like these were already shot years ago so he hasn't been exactly you know sitting on his ass mike he's he's been making two movies huge 250 million dollar budgeted movies in this 13 year span and he's also been outlining and writing and i mean basically it's they're they're producing the next two films four and five around now so yeah well, or he's currently oscars, filming four and five yeah. my oscars grab and my oscars stab are already set and we haven't even gotten to the bulk of what disney's doing but right. we can talk about what's already been released this year thus far from 20th century we have no exit on hulu death on the nile which you can now find on hulu or hbo max cheaper by the dozens playing on disney plus mike you've watched deep water on hulu i have not seen it yet it's fun it's sexy 
my best Stewie <laughs> voice there. Uh, look, it's just bad enough to fall into the guilty pleasure category for me, but it's not bad enough to like be House of Gucci levels of terrible and awesome and yeah. funny. And but look at the star of Deep Water is not Anna Diarmas. Sorry, it's Tracy Letts. Tracy Letts is having a year, <laughs> folks. Winning time and Deep Water. Man, suppo- I never knew he could act this well. Uh, I know he's what been. I a- wanted to see when I saw Ben Affleck and Anna <laughs> Diarmas rolling around in the pool and shit. Tracy, Letts. can we get Tracy Letts involved in this somehow? <laughs> Tracy Letts, my God, was he great? Guy belongs on time. a porch smoking a cigar with us. Never. <laughs> true, true. Even though I quit, I did. I, I want right. a cigar so bad. Now that you said that, Jesus, I'm gonna be fiending, fiending for a cigar the rest of this episode. Thanks for commercials nothing. Must, commercials must play well at your house. <laughs> you, no, it's bad. That's why I easily can't watch. suggestible. Yeah. Are you gonna rankle me in every segment though? Is this gonna happen <laughs> every single movie we hit? No, I Deep Water is uh, is worth the watch. It's ridiculously sexy and fun. Uh, Mike, we got more upcoming 20th century century films though. The Bob's Burger movie will drop on Memorial Day weekend. No doubt playing spoiler to Top Gun Mavericks box office. Uh, Prey, which will be the next installment in the Predator franchise, that's gonna be directed by Dan Trachtenberg of Ten Cloverfield Lane. That'll be on Hulu in 2022, starring Amber Midthunder. What a name! All name Hall of Fame there. She plays Naru, a Comanche warrior who protects her tribe against a predator. That sounds kind of cool. Mm-hmm. The Princess, directed by Lee Van Kiet, a fury that's coming to Hulu. Yeah. Combat trained princess tries to save her kingdom from mercenaries. And because Disney owns no fewer than 17 studios, like I said, we'll do grab, stab, and nab at the end of all of them as we move from Hulu and from uh, 20th Century into Searchlight. Yeah, the Banshees of Inisherin, Michael. Uh-huh. Top of the morning to the Banshees of <laughs> Inna Sharon, who screamed the night away uh, from Martin McDonough's script. He is three billboards uh, in East Ebbing. I forgot that title. My God, I've only seen the movie 20 times. Three billboards in Ebbing, Missouri, Out- right? Outside. Right. Outside Ebbing, Missouri, yeah. Oh, my God. In Bruges, three billboards, seven psychopaths. October 21st, we have Vegas odds of 25 to one for the Banshees, and this is starring future Joker Barry Keegan, Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Carrie Condon of Better Call Saul, and it is about a life, a pair of lifelong friends on a remote Irish island find themselves at an awkward time in their relationship when one of them no longer wants to be friends, Michael. It was nice of McDonough to let Gleason and Farrell have a few years off from <laughs> being in all his projects. Or do you think they were like upset that he didn't call them for three billboards or even a cameo in that maybe because uh two supporting actors were nominated for oscars right yeah it's it's clearly the most oscars exposure that a mcdonough films had true uh but gleason has worked with martin's brother john michael on two separate films since in bruges and otherwise colin farrell i believe he's been hiding in fat suits for over a decade i don't think that was his first one so we're not even sure if he was in three billboards or not he might have been a billboard. He should play the penguin in this movie as well with that same makeup. Oh, who are the friends in this movie? Barry Keegan and Farrell? Like, yeah. it, it, you think so? Am I to believe that a 29-year-old who looks 14 and a 45-year-old who looks 30 or have a deep falling out after a years-long friendship? You are overthinking it, I hope, because we well, need the friends to be Gleason and Farrell after in Bruges. Come on. I would hope so, but Keegan's the first name listed on IMDb's page. What's more fun? Colin Farrell not wanting to be friends with Brendan Gleeson anymore or vice versa? Oh, that's a good question. 
That's a good question. I could see both those bringing me a lot of entertainment either way. I, I, I'm looking forward to this uh, reunion of McDonough-ites, McDonough's, you know, main castees. Right. And, and Carrie Condon's been in his movies. And, yeah, Barry Keegan, uh, I don't know if he has yet. I don't, that's a good question. My only regret up. is Brian Dennehy isn't around anymore to have been part of this uh, cast. This beautifully Irish cacophony yeah, of exactly. thespianism. Poor Things. <laughs> Poor Things is from Searchlight, directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. Fish of, eye lens, baby. Of the favorite of The Lobster. Emma Stone, Margaret Qualley of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Made on Netflix. Mark Ruffalo, Gerard Carmichael, Willem Dafoe, Christopher Abbott of Possessor, and Rami Youssef of the Hulu show Rami there. Along with Catherine Hunter, the contortionist slash voice of the tragedy of Macbeth that New York film critics cannot resist, Michael. We have the film will be a Victorian tale of love, discovery, and scientific daring. Yeah, poor, I'll poor, say. Poor Things tells the incredible story of Belle Baxter, a young woman brought back to life by an eccentric but brilliant scientist. All right, so also Mike's doing you all a big favor there by reading one premise and not another. We're not going to read the other premise that's out there on wikipedia but if you want to go search it out for yourself go for it uh it with that premise in mind though this has all the makings to me of yorgos lanthimos just like saying look i gave you your foo-foo happy period piece that got nominated for a bunch of oscars well (laughs) it's the saddest movie of the century yeah i don't mean i mean happy in the terms of like you know universally accepted okay (laughs) as opposed to what this movie seems to be so it's like i did that for you this one's for me i'm just gonna put everything on the table and dare you to tell me i can't get away with making this movie i thought he was doing the hawkline monster which is also a book about but it's about american uh victorian era mad scientists so this is like english victorian era mad scientists i guess poor things the book whatever it did whatever it is it's messed up (laughs) he was on a kink for a while there with the mad scientists of this era i mean are we gonna see a frank frankenstein directed by yorgos lanthimos is that's what's coming eventually dope i would sign up i would certainly sign up for to watch that before i (laughs) this premises Man, I'm dark, but this is weird. <laughs> this is dark. This is weird. Yeah. So we got to keep that in mind when we predict Oscars for it. But you never yeah. know. Maybe dark and weird uh, could, could sell again for, for hey, Yorgos. I mean, the there's nothing... creature from the Black Lagoon had sex with Sally Hawkins in one Best Picture, so who knows? That's true. And he also broke through with Dogtooth, which was, mm-hmm. Jesus, Good point. shut the shutters. Speaking of shutters, The Menu from Searchlight is expected this year, directed by Mark Mylod of Succession. This is a comedy horror starring Anya Taylor-Joy, John Leguizamo, Ray Fiennes, Nicholas Holt of The Favorite, Hong Chow, Reed Bernie of Mass, Judith Light, Michael, of Who's the Boss? And the premise reads, a young couple travel to a remote island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. Are they cannibals, Mike? Are they going to eat Tony Danza from Who's and the, the Boss? And that's how we find out who the boss finally is. Uh, yeah, it's Adam McKay's a producer on this. Is he going to, can you picture the Adam McKay cannibalism movie? I don't know that I can succession he's going to make fun of rich people we know that so mckay and and mylotta they've been doing succession together for forever now 
And Tell you what, Mike, my money's on aliens instead of cannibals. <laughs> but <laughs> shocking uh, menu surprises. Uh, Emma Stone has dropped out of more projects than I think we're going to even talk about in this episode because she was also supposed to be the head of this, as we talked about her supposed to be the head of Babylon in the last episode as well. But again, scheduling conflicts called her to uh, to leave, and her part I think was picked up by Anya Taylor Joy. So yeah. what an interesting premise. Cool cast. I, I, I'm curious to see what this one's all about well we have the tv directors of unorthodox in the last episode maria schrader and that now we have uh mark mylot of succession and we'll have another major tv director going into uh the oscar season chernobyl that is but until then let's talk about marvel's offerings michael yeah, they got three big ones on the schedule right now. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, that's at 40-1 to 1 for Best Picture as it stands. Directed by Ryan Coogler, written by Coogler, and Joe Robert Cole, starring Letitia Wright, Lupita Nyong'o, Daniel Kaluuya, Martin Freeman, Winston Duke, Dan- Denai Guerrero, uh, Michaela Cole from I May Destroy You, and Angela Bassett. A lot of the first iterations cast are back again for this one. Uh, and, yeah, that broke through, obviously, at the Oscars, but an impossible task, no doubt, for Yeah, it's, Wakanda Yeah, I mean curiosity at an all-time high how that's going to be handled and what's going to happen uh, obviously in the absence of of uh king t'challa there uh, chadwick yeah. boseman no longer with us thor love and thunder also coming out from taika watiti this is written by jennifer caitlin robinson natalie portman is supposed to be taking the lead role in this chris hemsworth supposedly going to be a support more of a supporting character uh karen gillian is in this one as is christian bale as we reported on him playing the bad guy chris pratt is going to make an appearance alongside tessa thompson and russell crowe as well Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, that's coming out next, early May, directed by Sam Raimi, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, mm. Rachel McAdams, uh, Elizabeth Olsen, the Scarlet Witch there, Patrick Stewart, uh, did Patrick I spoil Stewart. it? Yeah, yeah, he's in the last trailer, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But What Mike- if he plays Captain Picard? <laughs> he could, it's a Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> uh, Michael Stuhlbarg, Bruce Campbell. That'll be interesting if he plays Ash. That um, would be awesome if these guys are just playing their, their most notable in Marvel. Just, sue us. Go ahead. Sue us, anyone. <laughs> Benedict Wong, of course, and Chiwetel Ejiofor. So, look it. I'm officially worried about all three films. I said yeah. Black Panther 2. Obviously, they're dealing with an impossible situation. Taika Waititi's pirate show, at least the first episode, mm-hmm. but more importantly, his, both of his awards presentations at the Spirits, and then, I believe it was at the Critics' Choice, the unfunniest things I've ever had to deal with, like nightmare <laughs> bombings in the history of comedy, and I can't handle them. And then I'm I'm worried that Everything Everywhere All at Once might have just stepped on all of the love and thunder for the multiverse of madness mm. here. Because Marvel's got to outdo what we just saw Michelle Yeoh accomplish and the Daniels. And we know where these Marvel movies stand in terms of the Academy anyway. I mean, are you worried they're not going to make money? Because they're certainly not going to be nominated for more than two or... I would think so, too. I mean, they're, these are always the money is the trophy for these things, so let's not worry about nominating for more than two or three below-the-line categories at the Oscars, which is obviously a shame. But if they do pull off and are able to break through and like become these huge zeitgeist moments in pop culture, Yeah, they deserve Academy recognition like Black Panther was able to do uh, years ago. I think this is maybe the most intriguing stretch True. of three movies coming up for Marvel since 
we were coming off the Winter Soldier, maybe, when we had Guardians of the Galaxy 1, Age of Ultron, and Ant-Man in our immediate futures. You were introducing new IPs there. It was characters none of us were all that familiar with. We were wondering where this is going to go. You also got to wonder, I mean, this is going to be, what, the fifth? I think a Multiverse of Madness is going to be the fifth Phase 4 movie, and we still have no idea what the overall arcing plot of Phase 4, 5, or whatever going forward is going to be. Are we going to, are we destined for an Avengers team-up? Are we not doing that this time? What are, What's the point of the MCU going forward right now? 12 months of Disney Plus. That's the point. (laughs) (laughs) I believe that to be fact. But, and I love it right now. I'm I'm consuming it all. Here's where I'll clarify what I was saying. I think, uh, I think I'm worried, but there's a boomer bust factor to all three of these movies. And that is kind of commendable, especially for Marvel that didn't necessarily take a ton of risks with its content for many years, even though they did go into the new IP, like you said, for for a couple stretches. Here we have taking their bona fide box office characters and doing some cool ass stuff with them. You got Sam Raimi, the, uh, the obviously the Spider Man dude, but he's he's been a horror guy the rest of his career. And we're going into a multiverse of madness. We got a a female Thor, and we're pushing Chris Hemsworth to the side after some hugely popular films. And how do they handle Black Panther going? Who knows what's going on with Black Panther? Yeah, I mean, all those reports about Letitia Wright not getting there's being friction on set. I don't know. I mean, you got to replace Chadwick Boseman. Can you even do that? Who knows? Is this like the Last Dance, and the friction's all good? For the you know the end mm. product at the end of the day, and the drama's good for a championship level you know run that uh, that Marvel has been able to do uh, in terms of uh, box office, but can they do it in terms of Oscars now? Look at I think if one of these hits and it knocks it out of the park, and I'm I'm, gonna, I'm pin one one down the line that I think uh, could could have some of that potential. Good. ironically, but we'll we'll move on to Pixar for a minute and animation is just stacked this year last last episode we talked about sony and wb etc paramount uh but they had across the spider-verse part one uh spider-man there mr morales and and you know the former oscar winner from sony animation and look we're gonna have two more bona fide contenders here from pixar Lightyear, it's directed by Ang- angus mclean of finding dory this is coming out June 17th, and it stars the voices of Chris Evans, Kiki Palmer, Taika Waititi, Uzo Aduba, James Brolin, and Isaiah Whitlock Jr., Michael. Why am I so worried about this? Because it's a blatant... Um, Cash grab? Merchandising play? <laughs> toy seller? Yeah. I mean, if that's what it is, I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they want this to be the reintroduction of Toy Story and like the new kicking off point for this generation of children. And I just this it seems like a cash grab to me. Well, here's the thing. The trailer was adorable and hilarious and also kind of How on the nose can you get? I mean, could we have picked any other song other than Starman for the movie about the Starman? You're kind of introducing Starman, though, to seven-year-olds. Yeah, I know. I, I, I understand the idiocy of a 35-year-old man yelling into a microphone about this. I get it. I'm totally aware of, of what I'm doing. 
<laughs> I laughed like an idiot when he did his Buzz, Buzz Lightyear fall, fall, you know, and the, 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 the stupid cat was talking to him or the dog, mm-hmm. I forget. You know, so like they got these quintessential Buzz Lightyear things from the Toy Story franchise happening in like this actioner version of this with Chris Evans, C- Captain America doing the voice. So I, I think it's it's probably going to work at the end of the day. I mean, I would bet on Pixar well, you can, here. Yeah, you can never bet against an, a, a Disney IP, right? An established legend, uh, legacy property. You can't do that because Disney knows what they're doing. But I speaking just have concerns. of speaking of turning red, which yeah. uh, we have not reviewed yet, which I will do some reviewing of it now. I love this movie. Uh, really, really funny. So it, I mean, look, it's not like super serious, heavy, gonna make you cry for two hours, Pixar, like we've gotten <laughs> at times, right. just rip rip us apart emotionally and break us down, break us down psychologically. That's what's mm-hmm. happened with some of these Pixar films. Michael Wally uh, going back to Up. I mean, for Christ's sake, the first twenty minutes Up, I, I can't remember being sadder. But what a terrific story this was, and it does hit you in the feels at a, at a few points. But this went straight to Disney Plus turning red and got criticized. But we saw it with Saul. We saw it with Luca. We know this works. Michael, this short film from this director, Domi Shi, she she knows how to make movies. Give her another dozen films, please. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I all haven't about taken it. the dive yet because I've actually been watching just I've been binging so many shows mm. as opposed to watching movies because um, that's responsible for me being part of this podcast. Well, you're but getting ready I, for Mike, Mike and Emmy here. I do want to see, I do want to see turning red and I'm just befuddled. I mean, is Disney now, Hey, Pixar, give us what you got. But if they are original properties, we're not putting them in theaters. They're going right to Disney plus. I just think they know it makes them money on Disney plus. And they're like, I, I know we got, $600 million worth of subscribers mm-hmm. or we got to feed the beast and it's worth X amount to feed the beast and the beast being all your children at home, mm-hmm. of course, because they're, <laughs> and we lose wild all our animals. Oscar listeners. No, no, they're every... wild. I have a nine, uh, whatever year old <laughs> nephew and niece. They're crazy. <laughs> yeah. So turning red had to feed the beast. So it makes some sense. Uh, but I thought it was better than the animated slate we had this past year. No offense. Uh, to, to any of the nominees there, but this was this was excellent. We can finish up with some other known properties, but we don't know if they're actually coming out in 2022 under Disney's umbrella from Searchlight. Next goal wins. I feel like we've been talking about this movie for three years already. Yeah. Taika Waititi, Michael Fassbender, Elizabeth Moss. It does sit at 25 to 1 odds currently uh, as far as winning Best Picture for 2023. And we got a new premise for it, Mike. The story of an American Samoa soccer team who suffered the worst loss in World Cup history, losing to Australia 31 to nothing in 2001. So here we thought this was, we were freaked out a little bit because Fassbender's the coach. Is this a white savior thing? This was dangerous. We were looking at it like, they're going to try to be funny. And everything was going down when they were about to release this. Did they shelve it for that reason? Mm. And now it's kind of a dramedy comedy sort of thing. If they lost that bad, or am I just laughing at this soccer match and watching thirty goals get scored against you? (laughs) It's like we were were talking about this. It's like the Iceland game one of Mighty Ducks (laughs) two. Michael uh, Empire of Light. This is coming from Sam Mendes, also Searchlight. Olivia Coleman, Colin Firth, sixteen to one odds. 
right now. And the plot, although it's unknown, it this movie, Empire of Light, is described as a love story set in and around a beautiful old cinema on the south coast of England in the 1980s. So Olivia Coleman's just the next Meryl. That's what we're landing on here. She's just going to be nominated every year. Some people are coming around to this when you're coming around to this, but most people have already been saying this for a while. Glenn Close deserves better. See how they run from Searchlight director Tom George, Saoirse Ronan, and Sam Rockwell are in this. A desperate Hollywood film producer sets out to turn a popular play into a film when members of the production are murdered. World-weary Inspector Stoppard and rookie Constable Stalker find themselves in the midst of a puzzling whodunit. I'm in. Yeah, this was described as a Tom George whodunit for the, for the longest time. And yeah, Sir Ronan helping out Sam Rockwell. If you had to guess, did Sir Ronan do it? I think I was going to say <laughs> Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell did it. Yeah, right, like it'll. Sense. I could see it being pitched as where we're supposed to think Sir Ronan did it, but she discovers it was Sam Rockwell who actually did it. And can't you see him turning to the camera with that wry smile and like, oh, I've finally been figured out. How powerful will you feel if Disney, <laughs> if Disney's just uh, greenlights this for? A month of reshoots after this podcast releases. <laughs> See how they run. A month of reshoots after we guessed the Who Done It in one. We guessed it in one. Michael Chevalier, Chevalier, Kevin or Kelvin Harrison yep. Jr., Samara Weaving. Why did I get the French one? The Saint George. Son of an African slave rose to great heights in society as both a violinist and composer and champion fencer. Jeez, talk about a triple threat. Immediately jealous. <laughs> Love affair uh, with a nobleman and a falling out with uh, Marie and her court led to his untimely downfall. Is this going to be Kelvin Harrison's breakthrough? Yeah. Well, does he need a breakthrough? My God, can we just acknowledge well, Oscar's unbelievable? Yeah, yeah, I mean, he, he. I feel like he should have a couple nominations on his resume already. He was Go good watch in Loops uh, if you haven't yet. But yeah, yeah, he was good in uh, Cyrano, by the way. I didn't know yeah. he could sing that well. Holy Christ, what a talent. What a slate for the House of Mouse, though, as it always is, but like this year and beyond. Uh, I feel like it's a good time to remind you, dear listener, though, what the scope exactly is that we're dealing with here with Disney in this quote-unquote movie studio. Mike, you want to guess how many total employees work for Disney? No, because okay. uh, I'm not going to... I'm not going to look like a fool with another Fair enough. No, sir, if you like throw something out. Just give me if you had to guess how many total employees there are at Disney. Uh, hundreds of thousands. Yeah, 203,000 employees yeah. under the Disney banner at least as of 2021. And all those employees and to run them all they pick the guy who can't stop tripping over his own feet. But okay. True. Let's do grab stab and nab. Let's go through all these Disney selections. Now again, an Oscar's grab is uh, something with a negative connotation historically. It seems a little too obvious that this is an awards play type of movie, performance, directorial thing, etc. So and you what we're think describe. that they're going to try and grab the baton and yet fall on their face? Is that your... Because that's your view of these grabs, I think, from last episode. J- Leonardo DiCaprio and Jay Edgar is the most Oscar-grabby <laughs> thing of all time. But it was still nominated. Right. But it like it was made to be a winner, and it okay. wasn't going to win. Now, stab uh, the happy go lucky yeah. term stab, right? As it's been known throughout history, it's where the stu- we think the studio is taking a stab at winning. It has a stab, a shot at winning a couple awards. Okay, and, and nab then, nab is the surprise, the underdog pick. All right, who are your grab stabs? 
I already said 20th Century has both of those. I mean, the Oscar grab thing, Avatar was made to be an Oscars grabby picture. And the sweetest thing ever was when it got upset by his own ex-wife in the Hurt Locker in the first one. (laughs) Hasn't the technology that made Avatar 1 so spectacular and such like this cutting edge thing in film, hasn't the world of film caught up with what made that such a unique property? So, yes, I'll agree with you. However, James Cameron has innovated and pushed the technology throughout his career. So, yes, maybe he, you know, had to get five movies together over those 13 years and that's what took him so long, but also I do think you can bet on him innovating because look, he didn't didn't take him thirteen years to write that Avatar two premise. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm fully expecting some wow tech, but you know maybe I'm getting my hopes up. But Avatar two is going to be my stab. Nine Oscar nominations for the first one. Yeah, so it's hard to bet against Cameron in that in that uh, yeah, field. This could be next year's Dune Avatar two. Yeah, I can. I mean, I, I I say that fully expecting the same, like I did last episode as well. But I think you'll you'll end up being the one who's right here. But my stab, I'm gonna stick with David O. Russell's film. I still have the highest of hopes for it. Uh, anytime mm-hmm. lately, he's put something out. He has been an awards player as well. It, it maybe more importantly is what's gonna happen with him when this movie does release. Because if any director or anybody in Hollywood has any kind of black past or black marks on their their cv or in their history they've kind of been raked against the coals on social media and i think it's going to be important for him to not react to that stuff and we've seen david o russell not not be a hothead in the past Mm -hmm. uh could that hurt his academy recognition sure it could absolutely yeah but we saw it with cameron too i mean christ uh, stories coming out about cameron after you know, being a kind of tyrannical CEO of a film set, and you know, it's it's him too. So, yeah, is that going to play? Is that going to play in award seasons of the future with the new right. Academy? Now, it has in the past. I mean, David O. Russell already has five Oscar noms for his own self personally: two for American Hustle, two for Silver Linings Playbook, one for The Fighter. And the last feature film he directed as David Russell, which didn't land at least a single Oscar nom, was 2004's I Heart Huckabees. I'll grant you it's been a while since we've seen him. Uh, The the last time he put out a movie was that weird 2015 year of Joy and Accidental Love, which Accidental Love was something he had directed years prior and was just (laughs) released in 2015, and he released it. He put his name as a pseudonym on the uh, credits for it anyway, but, (laughs) man, it's tough to look at that cast for that Canterbury Glass Project and not think that this is going to be some kind of player in the Oscars. And Mike, you had a theory the other day that uh, it could be maybe even a bigger surprise player than the Oscars than we think right now. Yeah, Chris Rock was tremendous in that TV show. What what, what, was, what was the name of that show? The adaptation <laughs> of something really super popular in the 90s. Not Fargo. What was it? Batman. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> it's always Batman. No, Chris Rock is starring in two humongous movies next year. Uh, this being the first, I think, that we've talked about so far. Well, yeah. I, I'm getting lost in parts one, two, and three. And what now would have been a 40-page Google Doc, but we actually <laughs> we've split it into three docs. But look, it's hard for me to come down on Canterbury Glass or Avatar. To Avatar? Or Avatar? Avatar with a U. Um, as your Oscar grabs or stabs. And my grab is going to be less high profile, I guess, because I I just can't resist rankling you for a change. Uh, Empire of Light. Again, this is is Colin Firth 
and Olivia Coleman and their adorable romance that already has Vegas going 16 to 1. This has uh this has a nineteen eighties British cinema involved. I mean, what's more Oscary than a couple of acting Oscar ma- magnets falling in love while running their own indie cinema, Michael? If it was announced tomorrow that they were reshooting and recasting Olivia Coleman's part with Glenn Close, would you be more or less excited to see that movie? Come on. What are you do- <laughs> what are you doing to me right now? <laughs> I mean, what are you doing to me? I mean, Colin Firth and Glenn Close. Uh. No, this is right. This is this is this is good with the the gods of Oscar. This makes sense. So that's that's a. I mean, this is only a grab because of their reputation. Right. Right. It's They're not a such grab. High profile of, people. Yeah. Yeah. The shish kebab of your stabbiness. But all right, you have a nab or two here, Mike. I want to say poor things for the nab. I really do. But that concept is so out there with Yorgos at the helm. It's as bizarre as Tatane, at least, which couldn't find itself nominated. Maybe just the fact that Disney has to be the home for Yorgos's next project is the Oscar in the same way that the money has been for all MCU movies. But uh, as far as my real nab, I'll be boring and I'll say the Banshees of Inishirin, even though I'm not sure how much of a surprise it'd be for the in Bruges reunion there to make some Oscars noise. Yeah, I agree with, I actually agree with both of those picks. Cause I think poor things is a fairly uh, popular book. And if anybody can handle that subject matter, he can, mm-hmm. but um, I'm going to go a little different for my nab and say it's pre- it could have been my stab, but I'm going to say turning red and give that the pub one more go. time from Pixar there. I really enjoyed that one. You know, watch it, enjoy it. And another mother-daughter movie that really, really worked from Pixar, by the way. So, yeah, let's not forget that one, much like The Mitchells and the Machines. And, hey, Luca came out fairly early last year, around this time. So, uh, animations, we, we, we've done the, uh, you know, the, the calendar study in the past. I think it was two years ago we did it with McQuaid. And uh, we talked about when Oscar movies come out on the calendar, and, and mm. many animated features came out in the first quarter. So if, it makes if sense. they were going to reshoot Turning Red tomorrow, and they announced that they replaced the the Red Panda Bear with Glenn Close, would you be more or less likely to rewatch it? That I would be more likely to watch, of course. <laughs> that I'll she, give you. She turns into Glenn Close when she's angry. <laughs> You're not gonna like me when I'm angry. <laughs> that's the Hulk, or is that? <laughs> that's the Hulk. <laughs> I'm turning Glenn Close into the Hulk. A twenty four is the next studio on the list. Michael the Whale, a forty to one odds right now. This is gonna be nominated. Directed by Darren Aronofsky, starring Brendan Fraser. Samantha Morton, Sadie Sink, and Hong Chow, a reclusive English teacher suffering from severe obesity who attempts to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter for one last chance at redemption. It's like the wrestler, but with an English teacher, and he's got a major problem, Michael. Uh, I'll get back on this one in a minute. Uh, I love these A24 daring do's in terms of uh, projects that they tackle, but all right, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it now. I won't keep teasing everybody. Like, how do you think this is so Oscar? Like, this could be a bomb. This could be, this could blow up in people's faces. Like, do we want to talk about this stuff? If they announced tomorrow they were recasting Brendan, no. Uh, <laughs> yes, if it was any other studio. This is A24. 
Uh, all A24 does is take things that sound ridiculous and uh, they can't possibly and treat it with the, just the most proper and apt touch. Right. And Brendan Fraser is like on the cusp of this giant Fraser assance anyway, as it is. I mean, he's so beloved in social media right now. He had his, his uh, comeback in, in that Soderbergh picture that went to HBO Max last year that everyone was talking about. Everyone loved but us anyway. No sudden move, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I just can't see this one. He seems like in terms of career trajectories, I feel like I've seen this path before well, where I'm this glad, is the guy I'm that's going to end up nominated. I'm glad to hear it because we were rooting for Aronofsky after Mother, even though that one kind of blew up in terms of Oscar chances, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that was not going to be an Oscar movie. So I, I'm just a little hesitant on Aronofsky. I know he, he kind of got towards the Oscars with The Wrestler and Black Swan, and we thought he was going to keep going for it. But then he kind of went uh, far afield to Oscar-y projects, so I'm not necessarily sure about this one, but hey, I'm excited to see it like like you. Uh, I did see Everything Everywhere All at Once. This uh, is opening today uh, or tomorrow or yesterday when you guys uh, listen to this. It's opening wide. Directed by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, the Daniels of Swiss Army Man. Michelle Yeoh, Jenny Lee Curtis, or Jamie Lee Curtis, and Jenny Slate are the three named actors that I wrote down, and I'm and shame on me because I did not write down the the two stars of the movie, Ki Huai Kwan, uh, as Waymond Wong. He is the kid from Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom, and the Goonies, and he grew up into this incredible actor. Who's this is this is his showcase, Mike. I, I, he's so good cool. in this. I I can't believe it. And Stephanie Su uh, as Joy Wong, the the daughter. Oh my God, she's excellent. And then the, the the grandfather, James Hong, is terrific as well. Uh, Jenny Slate and Jamie Lee Curtis have some fun side character roles. I mean, Jenny Slate's only only kind of a cameo. Jamie Lee Curtis has a fun role in this. Michael, this is so much movie. This is all the movies. This is like 10 movies in one. Editing should be looked at. Screenplay should be looked at. And certainly performances with Michelle Yeoh and, and Quan. I, I am so impressed with the ambitiousness of everything everywhere all at once and i laughed a lot i freaked out a lot like it's it's almost like rick and morty but like less depressing or or overwhelming (laughs) but with like the same kind of overwhelming pacing that you i mean you could get kind of lost in the sauce of this one the the szechuan sauce of course from mcdonald's that is (laughs) But I, I just, uh, I, I really had a good time at this last night. So I hope people go see this. It's a lot of movie, and it can get a little exasperating. Like I said, there's also like the existential terror of the multiverse, so it works on that level. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all like big hands in the air. I'm, I'm yelling at this from the highest mountain masterpiece levels of feelings from me. But the fact that it kind of hit me on all the all the feelings, and it, and it did rankle me, and it did challenge me. That, that's rare. That doesn't happen every day. So there's a lot of praise for this movie. I want to study it more. We probably should have done an episode on it. Well, that's but, uh, what, like, can they release this, give it a more respectable release date? Yeah, they should have. I mean, they kind of built off of the, they built off of the South by Southwest kind of uh, momentum there. They gave it a ramp up and it did extremely well. Did they know it was going to be this level of successful? I don't know. So they, they they're basically looking at, the film now is something that could be a hit at least i hope it's it's kind of 
it's kind of starting in 1200 theaters i believe so let's let's get people out there to see it and then yeah then we can go from there so it's it's not like it's not like the scope of a doctor strange of course it's very situated let's just say in a certain reality that's not glamorous that's not and and then they break it out from there into the wild and wacky and sci-fi and you know and fun so it's cloud atlas it's not cloud atlas cloud atlas cloud atlas that whole time (laughs) no i'm I'm joking i'm joking i do i do i mean it has all the momentum in the world i just yeah it's michelle yo if anybody deserves oscar recognition for christ's sake that's been looked over too many times she should get nominated out of this but but that's i mean this is a it's a pardon my friends it's just shit release date for that I know, I know, and that's the problem. That's what I'm wrestling with. But they found quarter one and early quarter two hits mm-hmm. in their in their history at A24. We we covered it with Hereditary. We covered it in the past, coming off of these uh, winter film festivals, and that, that's kind of the blueprint they're following here with everything everywhere all at once. So, yeah, let's get people to theaters first, and then we can talk about. We can talk about legs, I think, Oscar right. legs. But I, I think it actually has, has a shot. And at the very least, this should be all over the Gothams and the Indie Spirits for Good. Sh- damn certain. Michael, we have Men from Alex Garland of Ex, Ex Machina. And uh, what was that show on, on FX? This is why I shouldn't go off script. Anyway. I, I, I really – you do this – multiple times an episode with these with scripts right in front of you and just i am amazed every time that just you read it. the script because i also watched <laughs> other stuff from alex garland and now i can't remember because <laughs> i have an old person's brain that's filled with snuffleupaguses that die i mean i'm guilty of it too we both definitely do it that was a random cartoon joke that i won't contextualize because otherwise it's a spoiler <laughs> men alex garland jesse buckley and rory kinnear in like 25 different roles this is coming out on may 20th rory kinnear is in the the, J- the new daniel craig james bonds you'll recognize him he's that guy and this is about a young woman going on a solo vacation to the english countryside following the death of her ex-husband she's mourning her ex-husband yeah. and of course she's in an A24 fever dream with yeah. one guy playing 1700 different roles right just for the record this is a creepy as hell trailer and is listed as a horror drama film on wikipedia oh, yeah. it's not exactly emily in paris as the synopsis is suggesting here <laughs> i can't wait to see this and it comes out Me on too. my birthday Me so too. i'm going to have to see it all right we have uh disappointment boulevard from ari aster speaking of hereditary uh, he is the writer-director of Midsommar as well. This is starring Joaquin Phoenix, Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane is in an Ari Aster movie. Amy Ryan and Parker Posey. A decade-spanning portrait of the most successful, or one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. I'm guessing that's Joaquin Phoenix, Michael. Yeah, and just for the record, this is a creepy-as-hell Wikipedia page and is listed as a horror-drama film on the site. So this isn't exactly a beautiful mind biopic, as a synopsis here is suggesting, all right? Like, yeah. a lot of misdirect with these synopses that A24 is trying to pull over, over your eyes. Um, Lars Knudsen by the way, is a producer who is wisely in the camp of both Ari Aster and Robert Eggers mm. in getting their films produced and deals with A24 for both directors there. So, I mean, if you're going to be a producer attached to any two auteurs right now, you could do far worse than what he's doing. Any premise with Glenn Closer and with not 
Glenn or without Glenn Close, I would see an Ari Aster movie. I would see the next one, no matter mm. what you do. I mean, because he he's just at the precipice of everything I want in movies right now, and that's says a lot about us and a lot about me. But I'm also feeling myself right now because my subprime mortgage crisis takes on hereditary. How do you like me now, Mike? <laughs> I mean, I knew he was obsessed with the business shit. I knew, I knew he was. So that I was there. It was there. It looked like a, you know. I'm happy I was able to talk to you about, uh, give you the idea of crushing the middle class in that. Uh, that was that was my lone submission of thought to what you were talking about with that analogy and you liked it and that made me feel good it looked like a, a bond <laughs> it looked like a bond on, that you'd find on wall street structure uh in terms of the metaphor of the houses on top of the other houses in the nightmare basement and nobody I think believed what me. we've learned here mike is that we shouldn't do 40 page google docs <laughs> right <laughs> Right. The, we, we never learned from, from these in the past. But look, at also coming from A24, Marcel, the shell with shoes on. I hate this already. I really, <laughs> like, I know it's adorable. I've, I, I can't fucking stand this. Why? It's voiced by Jenny Slate, Rosa Salazar. This is coming out the end of June, June 24th. I, I looked it. I'm going to get to it, and it's going to be adorable, and I'm going to love it, and I would die for this shell. I know it. But right now, <laughs> prior to any of that, I hate all of this so this is just a, a pleading to your sensibilities on cuteness because yes and you and you hate it for that reason correct <laughs> because marcel and his grandmother connie oh it's just nonsense it's, it's just nonsense They're it's a little, shell with feet two little feet two little shoes <laughs> a shell and then eyeballs in the, the shell openings yeah Shut up. <laughs> this was a humongous hit at Telluride. And they're doing like this, uh, I mean, it's like this doc, uh, mockumentary take on it. Like these two shells are getting, somebody's filming a documentary about them living at the home of this random person. Which um, makes I'm you angry. so angry. That just made you angry. Hey, let's go. Bodies, bodies, bodies. <laughs> 95% on Rotten Tomatoes via 20 reviews after South by Southwest. Maria Bakalova, Amanda Sten- Amanda Stenberg, Rachel Sennett, Pete Davidson, Lee Pace. Now we're talking yeah. something that you might like here, Mike. Bodies, me. bodies, bodies. I mean, Stab this is- that shell. <laughs> you imagine if Marcel the shells, you know, is in this. Dies. Gets <laughs> receiving killer. a phone call <laughs> in the first seed. Well, we say that because this is supposedly, as you have here, this is A24's take on Scream, which is very, very exciting. And what a cast. My God. That's what I heard that somewhere. I, I, forgive me, but we have director Helena Rain, uh, and uh, written by Sarah Delap and Kristen Rupanian. So this is three women remaking Scream, I guess, right? With you know these tremendously talented women and these two guys who have been like heartthrobs at different ends of the spectrum, Michael, and now they're involved. Look, that Martin McDonough movie could say it's a take on Scream, and that'd get me in the theater, even if it was just the Martin McDonough movie. Right. right? So, you know, like, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, as far as A24 titles that you've already seen or might be in the pipeline this year, X, which is the Ty West uh, Mia Goth movie, you've seen that already? Yeah, I enjoyed it. A solid high B grade from me. I mean, it's not reinventing the genre, even though it does some cool ass things with it. Like Eric Weber said, he was hyping it up. He loves it. And, uh, you know, I, I get 
I, I, I need to get even keeled on my expectations of movies. So Eric kind of hyped me up too high, maybe. But I still, I still really liked it. So Ty West is always good. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think Mia Goth has got a future in this business. She could, uh, she can act. What about when you finish Saving the World? I, I don't. Have you seen that one yet? Yeah, it's Sundance. Jesse Eisenberg directed it. This was Julianne Moore and Finn Wolfhard playing a mother and son asshole. That's right. That's combined right. That's right. asshole that you want to just fight the whole time. They're the worst people ever, and I just, <laughs> I just hate them so much. Even though I can, I know that's the point. After Yang as well, with which is the Coconata film. Right, Colin Farrell, Jody Turner Smith. Great credits. Opening credits. After that, it's just Colin Farrell drinking tea and driving in future cars, and it's kind of boring. I don't understand. I don't understand the critical rapture for After Yang. I don't get it. It's on Showtime right now. Call me an idiot, but somebody's got to explain that movie to me. I don't. I don't. I don't understand. Fair enough. We also have a list of titles where we are not sure if they're coming out in 2022 from A24. Red, White, and Water, which is a Jennifer Lawrence movie. She's playing a, uh, it sounds like a, a returning soldier suffering from PTSD yeah. or something like that, uh, which is interesting. I thought that was the Elizabeth Holmes movie, but it is not. Uh, the Eternal Daughter, that has Tilda Swinton. Again, Tilda Swinton just dropping hints on us left and right that she is not of this world and is actually a god. Showing up, <laughs> Kelly Reichert. That she uh, did first cow. We talked about that a couple years ago. And Tuesday, which is a Julia Louis Dreyfus vehicle. All right, Michael. So we're going to somehow do grab stab, or you're somehow going to do it. I'm going to be all in nab territory for A24 because I don't know if it really applies. Yeah. But you're going to do your best. I'm, I'm, I agree with what you said. I don't think A24 is in the business of giving Oscar grabby type projects a green light. Yeah. Uh, everything always just sounds solid and it seems fun and like i said in the uh the whale premise it just seems like they're the ones that always have the deft touch on everything they need to, to do yeah i can't even say the whale because it has the <laughs> most right. oscary director because it doesn't have it, i mean it's taken a million chances yeah it's obvious uh for a stab so is marcel the shell animated that's a great question and Does if it count? is animation is just out of control this year. I don't think. I mean, I don't think so because it's live action and animation. Like, would Roger Rabbit have been considered animation? I have no. That's idea. That's the question, that's a right? Great question. That is the question. I don't know. I, I. I mean, I don't know. So if that's that could easily be an animated feature contender if it is considered animation. I have no idea how they're going to handle it. Uh, the whale, like I said, I, I think that's. I've seen this arc before from a actor who was once an A-lister who kind of fell from, you know, everyday relevance in the scene to now kind of recl- I mean, Michael Keaton kind of did it and look where he is now. I, I feel like this is a similar path. So I, I have the whale as my, uh, my stab for not only Brendan Fraser, but you could say the same for Aronofsky. You could say the same for writer Samuel Hunter. You could say the same for Samantha Morton. Wouldn't shock me. Mickey Rourke kind of had it with Darren Aronofsky yeah, back in point. 2008 there. So I want to say stab for the Ari Aster film disappointment Boulevard, but I'll, I'll just say nab. Uh, straight up nab for Ari Aster because I do think he has the cachet around the industry to kind of break through very soon. Uh, but you could say again, you could say that about a lot of uh, A24 directors. They only uh, they only employ the best. Yeah, anytime Ari Aster and Joaquin Phoenix want to team up, I'll be there. I, the only pause I have is that Ari Aster is on the record calling this movie a four hour nightmare comedy or comedy nightmare. Hmm. Don't want to see that. <laughs> well, I would see that though. That's the pro- that's where he has me right now. 
Right. I would see it if you four hours. I mean, look, the only thing I'm watching for four hours is WrestleMania, and that's once a year. <laughs> I mean, Joaquin Phoenix has done nightmare comedies that have been pretty long that have got nominated for Oscars. Like Never what? Know. Like Joker. Joker was a nightmare comedy? Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Michael. At least our, twi- our at least our text message chain was hilarious after. Yeah. All right. <laughs> this next uh, grouping is a mishmash of international independent films uh, in advance of the Cannes uh, announcement next Thursday on April 14th. Some of these movies might have distributors. I couldn't find them on, on the Internet or I didn't look in some of the cases of the late uh, additions to this list because Eric Cohn of IndieWire put out a can wish list of 50 films that he is hoping get announced. He does announced. this every year. He's very, very good at it. Awesome. Awesome read. Make sure you guys check that out. And I wanted to add every movie, but we'll, we'll, we'll add some to this list of international heavy hitters that could factor into the Oscars, guys, because let's be honest, we've had an international component to this academy, and we're going to have uh, certainly a Cannes Film Festival lineup that winds up at the New York Film Festival. We saw a lot of those New York Film Festival films wind up getting into the Oscars after I spent too much at P.J. Clark's. And my Correct. eating and my mm-hmm. Guinness drinking. So, right. first up, Park Chan-wook, Mike. Decision to leave. We previewed this one again last year on uh, the, our 100% accurate Oscars picks. I actually picked this to make the best picture field of last year. Uh, yeah. But Park Chan-wook, yeah, crazy. The Handmaiden and Stoker are on his resume. A detective investigating a man's death in the mountains meets the dead man's mysterious wife in the course of his dogged, dogged sleuthing. I, actually, I, I need to watch The Handmaiden. It's on my list right now. I just never get around to it. It's strange, but it's 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 weird. It casts a spell on you. It's one yeah. of those movies. So he might be heading into the sweet spot of his career, which is probably why you picked him for best picture because it's mm. he's heading that way. So I wouldn't sleep on on uh, what is this title? Decision to leave. Park Chan Wook, uh, Bardo. This is uh, Alfonso Gonzalez Inaritu, a Birdman, Heard the Revenant. Him. Babel, beautiful, 20 to 1 odds right now. We don't know what it's about uh, in terms of an exact plot premise, but apparently the film explores the political and social modernity of Mexico. Yeah, something unfamiliar for uh, Mr. Inuritu there, huh? Yeah, sounds like (laughs) something he won't have any experience with or have any kind of touch to be able to relay a comprehensive and coherent message. That movie's going to be awesome. Uh, Asteroid City, Wes Anderson, Margot Robbie, Tom Hanks, Scarlett Johansson, Adrian Brody, Maya Hawke, Brian Cranston, Bill Murray, Jeffrey Wright, Tilda Swinton. I mean, it's Wes Anderson. Of course, yeah, all everybody's in it. Plot unknown, you don't say. Rumored to be a love story set in Europe, you don't say. How is this independent? How did I not find the, a distributor on this one yet? I, th- I mean, the French Dispatch was doing nice business, especially overseas. So maybe, they, uh, maybe I'm missing something here. But Sophia Lillis, Hope Davis... Yeah, I mean, what a cast. Jeff Goldblum, of course, Leave Schreiber. Can't wait. And then, you know, what was cool is that we saw them on set at the New York Film Festival last year do the Q&A off of Zoom on the screen, which was pretty funny. And then he ordered drinks in the middle of the, the Q&A, which yeah. was even funnier. Anyway, Asteroid City, Wes Anderson, can't wait. The actor, Michael, the actor is starring Ryan Johnson. This is directed by Duke jo- uh, Ryan Gosling, excuse yeah. me, uh, directed well, by Duke Johnson. Yeah. Maybe he, the the Duke Johnson is that impressionable on Ryan Gosling. Maybe he change his name. <laughs> no, uh, it's a stupid joke. Uh, Community is where Duke Johnson is from. That show that I binged during the pandemic with no regrets. Mm-hmm. 
except for the last season, but or mm-hmm. second to last season. But Correct. when New York, <laughs> when New York actor Paul Cole is beaten and left for dead in 1950s Ohio, he loses his memory and finds himself stranded in a mysterious small town where he struggles to get back home and reclaim what he's lost. Pleasantville. <laughs> I hope it's not uh, the. <laughs> What was the stupid movie Ryan Gosling did after Drive? Lars oh. and the Real Girls? No. Even dumber. I hated <laughs> it. Same director. Um, um, we got to stop this. We got to stop, stop this. this we got to <laughs> stop doing this. This is adding or subtracting years from your life expectancy. I realize this. But I, can't, I can't go on. I can't move on. And it means I should have made this a 40-page Google document. Not, not Gangster Squad. No. Uh, drive and then oh, drive, right um, so dri- dr- only god forgives only god forgives yeah 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 only god didn't forgives. we all hate that movie collectively as a society and we needed to we needed <laughs> to remember we that it out of our today. brains <laughs> the brutalist starring sebastian stan vanessa kirby mark rylance marion cotillard alessandro Nivol- nivola and directed by brady corbett of vox lux the Brutalist is about an architect architect who emigrates to the United States in 1947 and spends the next three decades developing his masterpiece. It's about, I don't know, James Cameron? It's about James Cameron <laughs> in 1947. I, I, think, uh, I think Vox Lux is a low-key film Twitter favorite. There's no doubt about that. So let's not sleep on that one. Michael, one fine morning, I loved Bergman Island from Mia Hansen-Love. And this one stars Leia Seydoux with a father suffering from uh, a disease. Uh, A young woman lives with her eight-year-old daughter. And while struggling to secure a decent nursing home, she runs into a friend who, although being in a relationship, embarks on an affair. Yeah. Hot, <laughs> hot backdrop. No, Mia Hansen loves awesome, but all right. Triangle of Sadness. I think that's uh, the name of this podcast. Directed by Ruben Ostland of The Square. This one stars Woody Harrelson, and it's about a pair of models find themselves at a crossroads in their careers. How is Woody Harrelson involved? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also have Broker, directed by Hirokazu Kurita. He, of course, did Shoplifters. This is a South Korean movie. Song Kang Ho of Parasite is going to act in it. So that's, you know, got to look out. I mean, look at Kurita and Shoplifters. That was an awesome film. So, you know, Eric Cohn had a, had a great write-up for this one. So let's not sleep on Broker. Hopefully that's at Cannes. Bowie, a David Bowie documentary from montage of heck director brett morgan could be a can holy spider holy spider is from the director of border michael you remember that one about the trolls in the sure. woods yep of finland or i, I forget where but uh, sweden excuse me uh ali abasi the iranian swedish director uh, he, he broke through at the globe so he, he's on the cusp of the awards conversation this is about a serial killer and this is a true story it's a project set uh, in Iran, I believe, on serial killer who believes he's on a religious quest to rid the holy city of Mashhad of immoral women. Nabbed by the authorities and transformed into a hero by a deranged public after he's condemned to death, the man finally comes to terms with his deeds. And then what? Expect another dark and unpredictable look at anti-heroes recognizing their true purpose in the world. Eric Cohn can write, man. Holy spider. Yeah. 
Yeah, that sounds dark and twisted. Dark and twisted indeed. So, look, we can't sleep on these international directors like Pedro tweeted at us the other day. Uh, there's just been there's been a uh, influx of international no, voters. I mean, look, this is if we're any Oscars podcast, this is where the, the Academy is heading, and we're all better off for it. I mean, like I said to everybody, my best movie I saw last year, not and it wasn't a 2021 movie, but it was the first time sure. I watched it. The best movie I saw was the uh, I Saw the Devil, the South Korean movie. So, I mean, that's... You know, Parasite's winning Best Picture. This is where we are headed as a film industry. The rest of the world has caught up to America. I mean, it's, it's great to see. Yeah, it is great to see. So we'll, we'll have to do more of a deep dive on that. We covered the hell out of Cannes and the film festivals the best we could from our, you know, Siberia of Hollywood in Connecticut. Here. Hollywood East, baby. Hollywood <laughs> East in Connecticut. But that's part two. That's part two of the year preview, Mike. Part two. Because we're not done yet. It's in the books. <laughs> Hopefully, there's only one more part to come, but we are really doing as best as we can a deep dive into all these studios, even movies that don't have studios attached yet. Uh, as always, what matters most to us, though, is your thoughts, dear listener, your takes. We want to hear what are you most excited about, either from the last episode of Part 1 or this Part 2, or what have we not gotten to yet that you can expect and hope to hear in Part 3, as there is uh, a couple big studios on the horizon still to come. I know we haven't talked about Apple. What else are we holding back here, Mike? Netflix, Netflix. Apple. Apple, course, yeah. Amazon, and uh, we'll do we'll, we'll we'll pick up some loose ends. By the way, mm. too. So you know, if anybody knows that we've missed something, let us know on our social medias, please. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you can leave us those as well as comments, questions, or concerns, as always, about anything else we do here in the MMO Empire on our socials. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify app right now, if you appreciate what we do, if you could leave us a five-star review, it would take you one tap of your finger, and we would strongly, strongly appreciate that from you. Thank you to everyone who has taken the time out of their day to do so for us thus far uh that's what's coming next from us michael what are some words of wisdom we can end on and go home happy here with oh it's wise to uh see everything everywhere all at once yeah, and like watch that. turning red those are my two recommendations in this episode. i hope i hope michelle yo has oscar legs man she i mean me too what else does she have to do she's incredible and uh what a showcase it's just got to be there i mean i hope critics at least uh back her out, out she of should have been nominated for crazy rich asians true True. Yeah, she, she was knocking on the door. That's right. Yeah. At, the, at the dawning of our podcast. So, yeah. look, it's it is wise to uh, listen to part one of the of the podcast of, of this series. That is, we did we talked about WB, we talked about Paramount and Sony and and uh, United Artists and a bunch more there. Lionsgate, Neon. Even though Neon's Crimes of the Future, David Cronenberg. Apparently, everybody's going to puke at the end of that movie, including the audience. Good. Did you hear about this? <laughs> no, but I'm in. News of the day. Every people are going to walk out, have panic attacks, good, and throw up. Fuck the public. <laughs> and yeah, no. There's some guys. There's some guys on Twitter that's like, I can't wait to see it. So people we follow. So anyway, uh, what's coming next? We talked about part three. We're also going to start Easter Eggers. Yeah, Easter Eggers. We're going to review The Witch next week, and we're going to bang bang boom. Next three weeks, talk about Robert Eggers' films. 
We're going to have a guest on, we think, we hope, for The Lighthouse. And then we're going to uh, discuss The Northman, which is uh, a film that got good re- Twitter reviews, at least. I don't know what that means, but I don't think I'm going to commission uh, a, uh, a logo for that series, just because I can't imagine me getting a logo back and actually being satisfied with it. With If you listen to our last episode, you know I talked about what my vision is for the logo. And I just don't think it's realistic. So... <sighs> All of his movies have religious connotations, mm-hmm. so you can play into that. But it's not that hard of a logo. You can have it's not a us. it's not a difficult logo. I just don't like it's just an absurd one. We're holding nothing in most of our trailers because right. you had these or most of our uh, illustrations because we were holding something in like the whatever the, the early blueprints early, yeah, right right like you were just holding random shit right. and then we stopped holding stuff. We were holding Oscars at one point, and then we didn't want to get copyrighted. I think so. That sounds right. It sounds anyway, like so we were holding stuff. So now you can easily just have us hold Easter eggs as dressed no. as the guys from the White Lighthouse. No. Or you could be the Viking god Skarsgård <laughs> that you've always dreamed of, and I could be the black goat, Black <laughs> Philip. But it needs to be the pastel egg background. That's why. All. No, but you're fixing it. It could easily be the lighthouse background. No. no. No, it has to be the pastel egg. <laughs> No, <laughs> just have us holding Easter eggs. Uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. <laughs> it is wise to argue about inane, <laughs> asinine, trivial bullshit after a long, grueling Oscar season. <laughs> Which is, I was t- I was talking to somebody yesterday. I was like, we're like an old married couple now. Yeah. It's just the semantic nonsense. <laughs> and, and wait till you watch The Lighthouse, because I know you missed it from a couple years ago. Yeah, that is, I watched the whole thing. That is thing, our past yeah. present. Uh, you know what future. I did? I did what you hate me doing, is like just watching random clips and like going through I it. just, yeah. you, it, no, but you, you're still in for a treat. You're in for a treat. That movie is messed up. It's ridiculous. <laughs> We should wear seersucker suits while we record those. You know? <laughs> right. I can't believe we have let's, a guest for that. I let's can't get out of here. She said yes. <laughs> when reality, I don't know, sucks or is too ridiculous for words, you can come, hopefully have some laughs, and get informed about the upcoming year in film with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar, trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.